0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to Part 3 on Radiation Dose. And last time I was talking about some of the things that can be done for reducing dose. We spoke about dual energy, but let's now talk about... Uh, image reconstruction. And one of the biggest and hottest topics is iterative reconstruction. Classically CT is done with filtered back projection. That's how it's always been done. But the truth is this statistical iterative reconstruction techniques really work by focusing on image noise and attempting to decrease it. So it's very much like satellite data where you're looking at poor quality data from 100,000 feet away, and then you're trying to basically uh, make better data out of it. Now, every vendor has their own flavor of image reconstruction. And what's bottom line important is it can decrease dose by 60 to 90% while maintaining image quality. So that would absolutely be ideal. Now, let me talk a little bit about this. What we use, we use Sapphire, which is Siemens flavor. Cyanogram affirmed, iterative reconstruction. It creates five different images with varying noise levels and you select the best one. One has the most noise and five the least noise. We tend to use about a three or a four. It's kind of an in-between. Sapphire allows for dose reduction by improving image quality by decreasing noise. And it's really the best technique we've seen to date on the Siemens scanners. They even got a 60% range approval by the FDA, which is indeed important. Now, one of the key things, of course, has been a challenge in of, of reconstruction is you can decrease noise, but the images tend to look funny because the vendors, the way you reconstruct, you tend to make the images a little bit less noisy and cleaner, but at times they look very plasticky. And so the concern has been perhaps you're missing things. Yes, the images look visibly okay, but you're missing things particularly in the liver i will also tell you that the images look different so a lot of the radiologists are uncomfortable with them they look different i can't say different as in bad but just different but perhaps if you use a siemens scanner and you go to ge or you have a GE scanner and go to siemens you also think the images look a little bit funny so it may be in that category and it's not just siemens here's iDose. this is the phillips technique for doing it it's a hybrid of iterative reconstruction algorithm that provides reduced image noise compared with conventional filtered back projection. And the article goes on to make the point that the Hounsfield values remain stable with eye dose, noise is significantly decreased, there's no decline in spatial resolution, and the use of this adaptive iterative reconstruction uh, even works better when you're looking at some of the um, 3D imaging, and some of the quantification by standard low-dose CT. So it can have great promise, okay, not to be outdone. On the GE side, Acer, which is what they call theirs, promising technique for providing diagnostic-quality CT images at significantly reduced radiation doses. And compared with FPB, iris algorithm enables significant reduction of image noise and improvement in image quality. Okay, another... Same article, again, signal-to-noise ratio and contrast-to-noise uh, of images reconstructed with iris were better than with image with fast back projection. And this article here that says, in patients weighing less than 160 pounds, you could use 80 kVp with 30% Acer and have quality images. Now, this article was very good because it speaks about the fact that you can have quality images, but also will make the point that the radiologists aren't always happy with the images. So it's really a real challenge getting used to it, and at the lowest dose, are you happy reading it? I mentioned that some post-processing techniques work better with some of the iterative reconstruction, like in this article talking about um, the uh, using an emphysema quantification. And again, the The limitations in Acer, the limitations are with any reconstruction technique. Perhaps image smoothing may lead to lack of lesion recognition. This is really everyone's biggest concern. So the drawbacks, learning curve to develop the optimal protocols, learning curve to get used to the new look and feel, and of course you have to buy the systems which can indeed be very expensive. I think computers in general will play a major role in radiation dose. And obviously, scanners are computer systems, and iterative reconstruction is a computer system, and dual energy is a computer system. But what I'm referring to here is in the help with choosing the correct study. This article recently published evidence-based computerized clinical decision support uh, in looking at the PE problem helped decrease the use of CT and PEs while increasing yield. It was associated with a 20.1% decrease in the use of CT pulmonary angiography, while the diagnostic yield of CT pulmonary angiography of PE increased 69% in the emergency department if the clinical decision support was implemented. So I think you're going to see a lot of that coming, whether it's by the vendors or it's by the insurance companies, because there's a way potentially of diminishing or decreasing uh, utilization. So it will become very important. Now, another thing in terms of radiation dose is something I mentioned on the radiation dose, because in part, um, we always talk about how it's a sort of a uh, way of looking at a study and saying how much information do you get for the dose. And I think one of the big things you're gonna see is with CT, that for the lower dose, we're going to even get more information. And what I mean by that is even in oncology, we always talk about lesion detection and characterization, but I think we're going to do that characterization even better. We're going to be able to look at how lesions behave over time and help predict how patients should be managed. And I think if you look at lesion characterization, we talk about perfusion CT. Do lesions behave differently when they're treated? and whether they're having a successful treatment. We can help better define the etiology of a lesion, allowing better staging and management decisions and more accurate measure of tumor response. So there's an article recently talking about tissue perfusion in pathologies of the pancreas. Perfusion CT can be used as an additional parameter to differentiate various pathologies. And the authors went on to say that blood flow and blood volume were lower in acute and chronic pancreatitis compared to control groups. In the center of CAs, low blood flow and blood volume were observed, gradually increasing toward the rim. Perfusion values in pancreatic parenchyma adjacent to the tumor were not significantly different from the control population. So you can see we're going to get more CT information in the pancreas. And the kidney, I've always spoken to you about how Vascular lesions are typically clear cell and hypovascular or papillary, but it's more than that. We can look at texture analysis and predict perhaps what patients will respond to certain targeted therapies. We can look and recognize that how lesions behave very much is a reflection of the differences at the cytogenetic level amongst renal cell carcinomas. So for example, imaging features of multiphasic CT correlates with these cytogenetic characteristics and may help predict response to molecular targeted therapies. So for example, with clear cell, loss of the Y chromosome tumors enhance more than those without the anomaly in male patients during early phase imaging. And in patients with trisomy 7 enhance less than those with disomy 7. So you can separate things at this point. And renal cells with trisomy 7 enhance more than those with disomy 7. So you can see we're not just saying there's a mass and it's vascular and it's a clear cell versus papillary. We're going now looking at what the the abnormality is at the cellular level. So indeed, very, very important. So we're building on this work that Hertz did originally talking about how The papillaries are hypovascular, well-defined, smaller and better outcome. So we're really building up on that. What else can I tell you? Well, one issue that comes up all the time is CT in the pregnant patient. Again, the question is, what should you do? What's your policy? And everyone needs to have a policy. So the first thing I recommend is, if you don't have a policy, get one. Figure out how you deal with pregnant patients and do it the same way all the time. Now, in this article by Wesler, which looked at imaging pregnant patients, the risk burden of radiation exposure to the fetus has to be weighed against, the benefits of obtaining a critical diagnosis quickly, and using a single, single tailored examination. And they made the point that no exam should be withheld when an important clinical diagnosis is under consideration. Exposure to radiation may be unavoidable, but there is no evidence to suggest that the risk to the fetus after a single imaging study and an interventional procedure is significant. And in fact, if you go back to the ACR guidelines, under 50 milligray, there is no radiation effect. 50 to 100, there's none in over 18 weeks and probably none under four weeks. And uncertain in certain, 5 to 17. And in over 100 milligray, there are typically no issues over 18 weeks and possibly issues between 4 and 17 weeks. So again, you need to know what trimester, what week the patient has when you're making some of these decisions. And you can see from the ACR thing Uh, the guidelines, there really is significant facts about dose and gestational age and what indeed can be the risks. So you can be very much educated about this. Print it out. Or again, the doses from some different studies. Again, most of our doses are relatively low. When you're doing CT, there are many reasons in a pregnant patient. Five reasons I can pick up or put together but you need to optimize each of the protocols. PEs are so important. It's the leading cause of maternal morbidity. Pregnancy increases the risk of a PE by a factor of five. Again, if you're doing the study, scan only what you need to scan, time it correctly, you can get do a really good job. Again, VQ scan, CTs faster, more accurate. It gives you other diagnoses. It's the way to go. Appendicitis. Usually ultrasound works well. Many people now are doing MR, but at the end of the day, you may need to do CT. There's nothing wrong with doing CT, but if you're going to do it, give lots of oral, give rectal contrast, or pacify everything. Don't end up with an indeterminate study. You need to be very, very specific, so protocols are very critical. the trauma setting. Here, everyone agrees. Patient has trauma, you need a CT scan, do the CT scan. Whether the patient's three weeks or 37 weeks, just do it. The most common worry is to the mother. Most common injuries include uterine injuries as well as placental abruptia. Uterine rupture is indeed rare. Calculi and, pre- what else do we do CT for? Calculi and pregnancy are uncommon. Usually you can get by doing ultrasound. It's rare that you need to do CT. Acute abdomen, there are so many possibilities in the acute abdomen, but um, if you can't make a diagnosis, CT is a very reasonable thing to do. And in this article, Levin made the comment that in cases where a CT is needed, protocols should be optimized for the individual with careful planning, with the use of dose reduction techniques that allow adequate imaging without unnecessary radiation exposure. As in all cases, the benefit of an imaging diagnosis needs to be weighed against theoretical risk. So again, all the facts we've been saying time and time again. So some practical points in the pediatric patient. What you want to be doing is make sure CT is the right study. And when you do it, do it correctly. Use oral, use IV contrast, use the optimal protocol, which is the minimal protocol you can get by with, and scan the only the areas you need to scan. And monitor the study. Make sure you're doing things correctly. Again, you want to limit what you need to do. What else could I tell you? Well, bismuth breast shields. People always ask me, should I use those? Um, a lot of interest, and some articles like by Bicocle talk about uh, the value in decreasing dose to the breast, up to 29% in the female breast, and 40% decrease in the adult female breast. And you can see here's just some examples of the shields. You don't want to touch the skin with them because then you get lots of artifact. You put in a pillowcase, other different devices. But you can see very nicely. Downside, it causes some artifact. Now, the question you ask is, if the x-ray tube is going all around the patient, how much good are you doing uh, with, you know, the, the aprons in the front and the you know only? So that becomes a real issue, and there's been lots of discussion. Should you use these breast shields? We do not at Hopkins, and our philosophy is kind of like this article by Christy McCullough. We believe that the ways in which bismuth shielding can hurt are a number of the ways in which it helps. Although the use is well-intentioned, and we applaud the imaging community's efforts towards safe and effective use of CT imaging, bismuth shields waste radiation dose to patients and degrade image quality. So their conclusion is, do not use it. Okay, that's simple enough. There's a good article that will be worth reading coming out soon on radiation risk estimates. Uh, and this article by, McC- by Fletcher does talk about the fact that there's so much uncertainty, but it's better to err on the side of it being a small risk. However, because the magnitude of the net benefit is driven by the potential benefit of a positive exam, radiation dose should not be re- reduced if doing so may compromise making an accurate image. So again, very, very good advice by Fletcher. Uh, and talking about what needs to be done. Benefit and risk of CT are highly individualized, and that's an important consideration. Good article by Hendy. Hendy's a physicist, a kind of physicist, looking at the issues recently in radiology, talking that no prospective epidemiologic study with non-irradiated control subjects has quantitatively demonstrated adverse effects of radiation doses less than 100 millisieverts. So they were very positive about the the things we're doing are very safe. Again, it's good to feel good about that and make certain you're doing things as safe as possible, but the the public is scared and we need to recognize that. Now, the article by Hendy also made the point that many of the different things we're doing from image gently to image wisely uh, are indeed very helpful. Three principles, keep doses as low as reasonably achievable, keep medical device procedures as safe as reasonably achievable, and to keep medical benefits as reasonably achievable. So Alara, Asara, Ahara. And the authors did feel that Image Gently and Wisely were good things and people should probably join them. And they have those basic principles which we all signed up for. So again, being part of something makes you think about something. The Image Wisely campaign, I spoke about gently and now wisely is in adults. Uh, we will begin providing an educational resource for optimizing dose to patients. A state-of-the-art website will be developed containing carefully selected, logically indexed, and clearly explained the information for imaging professionals and referring practitioners. And it is being done, so things are moving forward. Going back to the image gently I spoke about, just had a recent article five years in, talking about how things have moved forward, how now there's not adversaries, but everyone's on the same page, parents, manufacturers, government, regulatory and advisory groups, health groups, everyone's on the same page. And again, things that need to be looked at, of course, is how do you define radiation dose? It's still very difficult. Um, it's definitely a problem. Uh, it's discussed in detail, other places, but again, it's always a challenge. So at Hopkins, what do we do? We try to do the right exam for each and every patient perform with low-dose studies, allow a principle, and we interpret them correctly and transfer the information to the referring physician. There's no unnecessary extra scans, hopefully. Ultimate goal, personalized radiology, the right exam for the right patient, optimal performance of the study by the radiologist, correct interpretation of the data set, and rapid use of this data for rapid patient uh, treatment and care. Now, is there a technique that can reduce radiation dose by... almost 100%, the answer is yes. Doing the study right the first time. So either you do it right or you do it wrong. You do it wrong, you get extra phases, you don't answer the questions. So for example, there was a question of a neuroendocrine tumor, this 60 seconds out it was read as negative. But look at 30 seconds out, look at the patient's right, on the image on the right of the screen, look how vascular it is, it's a classic neuroendocrine tumor uh, potentially, which is what it was in the head of the pancreas. But look how vascular it is, and look how easy it is to see in arterial phase imaging, but how quickly it goes away in venous phase imaging. So the use of multiple phases when done correctly is critical. Same thing in the liver, vascular lesion, central scar feeding vessel. This was focal nodular hyperplasia. Look how quickly it becomes isodense. Or a case like this with Crohn's disease. Look at the thickened small bowel You follow it down to uh, some small bowel, and then you look at it very carefully, and you could see that when you look at the vascular map, this flow to the um, right upper quadrant. When you're looking at these images, when this patient with Crohn's, going from the axials to just the coronals, you have so much more information. You see the wall thickening, the extent, you see the vessels, but I take it into MIP, Look how I have the vasorectal. Look how I have that abnormal vascularity. I'm seeing all that clearly. And then I take it to volume rendering, and now I really appreciate the bowel wall disease, the full extent of disease, the vascular involvement. So one of the things we're able to do, think about it. The more information you give the referring clinician, the better the value for the radiation used is. So you got to get the right answer and present the information correctly. I mentioned before about the ACR accreditation program. We did it. It's a good thing to do, have something. By next year, you're going to have to probably have this or something else in order to get paid by insurance companies. Think about dealing with patients. It may be good to have charts like this, which explain what the risk is, so that uh, if you have a CT of the abdomen, its, what's its background equivalent to radiation dose would be 3.3 years. So it's good to have some of these numbers. Things will continue to change. I want to say that. You know that as of July in California, you have to report the doses on each report. Um, They tried to appeal it. It's still going to happen, and it's happened already. My feeling is if it happens in California, I'm in Baltimore. There's a lot of rivers in between and mountains and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, three to five years later, we'll be doing the same process, and so will you. If you need new protocols, look at C2 as Us or other pertinent websites, though none are as good as CT is us. We have the newest and greatest protocols. It's a way of really optimizing what you need to do. And with that, I'll stop there. Thank you for your attention and see you soon.